course, as soon as we started recording, there's a fucking person honking outside. That's okay. At least you don't have a neighbor that's possibly sawing up bodies in their garage directly beneath your office. I mean, wouldn't that be great for the podcast, though? I mean, yes, I'll probably have to ask them for an interview, but like... If they keep doing it, either way, I feel like it's going to be great for the podcast because either we interview them for cutting up bodies or you get to feature my episode of Snapped once it comes out. I was just watching that today. Great show. Was I on it? No. It was all just like, Snapped is very predictable, though. Yeah, but I mean, the crimes are very predictable. Like, you keep pushing a woman... She's yeah. gonna snap. I was watching one today. We're gonna get into the episode in a little bit, but uh, I was watching one today that um, a woman, her first husband died, uh, and then Uh-oh. her second husband uh, died. Died. And then her third oh, husband. Two for two. Her third died. husband, though, survived. Also died. Oh, uh, and then her fourth husband also died. So uh, I, I would say if you have two husbands that die under mysterious circumstances, maybe like. Somebody should take notice. Yeah. It shouldn't get to four, but whatever. She's just, she's living her life. I guess. She's doing her best. I mean, clearly not her best because people noticed, obviously, but. Yeah, you can't just kill people and collect their life insurance and then do it I mean, it you all can. Over again. You just won't get away with it. Yeah. Anyway, what Shit are we talking happens. about? All right. So do you know what we're talking about today? Uh, I don't remember. I didn't look good, at the schedule to be completely honest. Good, because I fucked up the schedule and I did the thing where I do my next episode instead of this week's episode. So, <gasps> so nobody excited. else is any wiser, but I was going to say you definitely don't know this week. <laughs> I'm so excited. Also, I'm going to preface this by saying that I went to high school with somebody who had a very similar name to this person and therefore it's inevitable that I am going to mispronounce their name i want you to know it's not out of disrespect for the victim it's out of literally having at least two classes with this person every year for four years yeah and they were not large classes yeah and also this person went to prom with somebody that i was friends with so like i mean they were heavily in my life it's got there there may be i'm trying my best you have no idea i have their first name written in all caps in my notes i guarantee you I'm still going to fuck it up. I'm just letting you all know now. It's not disrespect to the victim. It's, what do you want to call that? Stockholm syndrome? (laughs) I don't know. Just you're familiar with a different uh, name. Yeah, but I didn't even like this person. That's all right. I shouldn't say that. I didn't dislike them. I just, I I didn't know them well enough to be like, oh, this is their name. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so we'll get into it. That being said, today we're talking about Kirsten costas okay kirsten I know kirsten. is where i will get fucked up i knew a kirsten she was my american girl doll she was very cute she okay. was very swedish all right big fan she had a family member named lars this i remember all right all right but yeah so go kirsten marina costas was born i will go i will go right ahead <laughs> i'm waiting <laughs> okay let's do it and go All right, so Kirsten Marina Costas was born on July 23rd, 1968 in Oakland, California, and she was the oldest of two children to parents Berit and Arthur Costas, who was an executive at 3M, and the Costas family was well off. 
Um, they lived in the affluent Contra Costa County, California suburb of Orinda, California, which is just outside like Oakland, San Francisco, Berkeley, like, you know. Okay. Not, they're pretty hopping. It's a pretty, cool. it's a pretty hopping area. Um, so hopping, to be exact, that the average household income was $60,000, $60,700. Okay. In 1968. Okay. Or 1984. I'm not sure. It, 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 it equates to about $155,000 today. Wow. That's pretty bougie. Yeah. yeah. That's decidedly more bougie than when I was employed, Michael and I made together. Yeah. I've never had a combined household that made that much money. Nope. I mean, Connecticut, but other than that and that's just that's connecticut that's basically what they did though they lived in like the connecticut of northern california (laughs) all right um so those around custis like family friends and so on described her as being very bubbly beautiful witty confident like outgoing just genuinely like you know like she was very likable she seemed to have everybody everything going for her and she was on the varsity swim team and cheerleading squad at Miramonte High School in Orinda. And she also worked in the student office and belonged to the Bobolinks, or Bobbies, which was a very exclusive, like, invite-only volunteer group that was basically, like, a glorified sorority. Like, you know how in college okay. they had sororities and they were like, oh, our our charity is... I'm trying not to think of one that are alma mater. Yeah, because <laughs> then, like, I mean, I think I just got them to to start leaving me alone, and I don't want them to come back. Um, is pizza for for tots? Pizza for tots, mm-hmm. and then they would do like a pizza fundraiser for for said tots, yes. and then just party every weekend. <laughs> yeah, like that yeah, was yeah, basically yeah. Yep. yeah. That was basically the whole shtick. Um. So Jessica Grant, a former classmate of Costa's at Miramonte High School, told People Magazine, quote, Kirsten had a good personality. She was pretty and vibrant, end quote. Okay. Yeah. Meanwhile, for Custis's classmate Bernadette Prati, things didn't come as easily. Uh, she was the youngest of five children to parents Elaine and Raymond Prati. Um, she grew up in a devout Catholic middle class family. Both of her parents worked. Well, her father was retired, but they both worked. Um, her, as opposed to Costas's mother, was a homemaker. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing wrong with that, but I'm just saying, like, they had to work hard to like be on. Not even they weren't even on a level playing field financially. Okay. Um, so she was polite, though. She had good grades. Um, she had friends. And I feel like this is important to say, like, yes, she had friends. Um, And like Costas, she also belonged to the varsity swim team and the Bobbies and worked in the student office. Mm -hmm. But it was kind of more of a like, she saw Costas do these things. It became to be like this after a while. She saw Costas do these things and decided that she wanted to do them. Okay. So, yeah. And her her modest background, like I said before, everybody else is pretty upper class. She's kind of like middle to upper middle class. Um, her this background like drove her insecurities about her differences from her wealthy classmates who came from more elite uh-huh. backgrounds. 
Um, former classmate Chris Johnson said that Prati was, quote, accepted and popular in her own way, but she could, but she had this obsession with being liked. I could never understand why she thought she wasn't, end quote. Hmm. I know and a yeah. couple of people that were like that. Yep. Heavily involved. What was that look for? No, not you. <laughs> I know. Looking I mean, directly I mean, at me in the camera. I know a couple people like that. I'm like, listen, bitch. No, there were people <laughs> from high school that were like, nobody likes me just yeah doing everything they possibly could to get people to like them or like people don't dislike you like i mean people are starting to dislike you because you're fucking annoying about <laughs> you're it doing that like- yeah <laughs> i mean i will be mostly because i feel like some people from my high school if they hate listen to this will do will say it anyway i was kind of that person in high school i'm not gonna lie i was and I was going to touch on this later in the episode but i guess we're touching on it now um we're doing it live but I was, you and I have talked about this, severely bullied from about like seventh grade until like sophomore, junior year of high, junior year of high school was when it really kind of came to a stop. And you didn't even go to public school. I didn't. I went to Catholic school. We're all supposed to love each other and sing the Catholic version of Kumbaya and hug each other and sign a piece and shit. Sign a piece, my fucking ass. Um... the, The number of people that went and received communion at weekly or monthly or whatever the fuck it was mass that... I was shocked God did not smite in the form of choking. Astounding. Um, but yeah, I, I can understand because you get to a point where nobody li- like, I, I like, I know that it's like, oh, nobody likes me. I was at a point in my life where literally nobody liked me. Not a one. Mm-hmm. And if somebody started to like me, the people who didn't like me quickly descended and were like, no, you shouldn't like this person. And this I is mean, why. That's high school, man. High school sucks. Yeah, in middle school and high school. It, yeah. it is. It's a, they're sadistic institutions. Um, but I can understand because there were times where I would be like, nobody likes me. Why don't you like me? And they'd be like, you're annoying. And I'd be like, yeah, but I'm annoying because nobody likes me and it's driving me fucking crazy. Now, <laughs> spoiler alert, did I kill a bitch? No. <laughs> you, were, but- <laughs> you, were being, you were being gaslighted by middle schoolers <laughs> into being like... No, being gaslighted by middle schoolers is when, and this is a true story, and I feel like this should be a true crime in and of itself. Um, I'm amazed that I don't have a snapped episode so far. Was when freshman year, this kid Mike, for lack of a better word, courted me for like a couple, like a week or two maybe. A week or two, carried my books to class, wanted to sit next to me, was super nice, told me I was cute, which like for my lanky awkward freshman ass was like holy shit i think he might like me i i still can't tell if people like me Haley, do you like me no exactly i still can't tell (laughs) um so then so i was like oh my god like i think he might ask me out i was so excited like i looked forward to seeing him every day until one day he turned to me in class and he said to me that he would never love somebody or like somebody not love we're not there yet it's freshman year um that doesn't come until at least sophomore year, the L word. But he would never like or go out with a person as fugly as me. And then proceeded oh, to list fugly. every... Fugly! It was... I answered to fugly. Of course I remember fugly. Oh, fugly is um, great. But he then listed off every single one of my flaws. I had a nose like a witch. I had yellow teeth, the color of our uniform shirts. I was fat i i was 125 goddamn pounds do you know who i would murder to be 125 pounds and 57 today no one's fat in high school you're growing I into your body disney character um 
But no, so he like went on and on and on and he listed it and then class started and I had to keep it all together for 45 minutes and the rest of the day. So you're already feeling like this girl. Oh, I, to a degree, I sympathized. I did not empathize because again, spoiler alert, I could never kill a bitch. I, I, mean, I feel bad about killing ants. We're uh, a true crime show. You don't have to spoiler alert that somebody's going to get murdered. Well, you don't know. Maybe she was going to like steal her college fund or frame her for murder and right. ruin her life. Or maybe, maybe, maybe Kirsten Custis was. Ah! That's my alarm telling me not to have children like Mike. Um, maybe she was, maybe she was like. I don't know. I don't know, Haley. Crime is a very weird subject. You well, don't get know. On with you it. don't know. <laughs> get on with the weird subject. Tell me what happens. Um, this is what people mean when they say that Caitlin talks too much and she talks too much about her personal life. Um, to be completely honest, it's our <laughs> podcast and we can talk about whatever the fuck we want. And if you don't want to listen to it, it's so easy to turn it off. Yeah, but Haley, nobody likes me. They all like you. No. <laughs> that, is, that is an untrue statement. <laughs> nobody likes me. Um... <laughs> So, so moving on from that, whoo, lordy. So she basically decided that one way to change the trajectory of her life was by becoming a cheerleader like Costas did. Prati decided this. Uh-huh. Um, but despite her desperation and like she worked at it, like she, like she, her desperation, like, you know, like when you try really hard for something and it's fueled by like anxiety and desperation, or maybe that's just me before I got no, medicated. No, I totally get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, despite all of that, it didn't work out. And Grant told people, quote, she worked hard for cheerleader. She came up to me afterwards and said, I didn't make it and I can't believe it. She was really disappointed, end quote. Mm. So at the same time, she was also rejected by the school's exclusive Atlantis club. No idea. It's probably the group of kids that like went down to fucking Atlantis and discovered it. And Milo and all that other shit. Oh my god! What? We're 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 watching that after this. No, Um, I know the movie Atlantis. I don't know what this Atlantis club is. Yeah, I don't know what the Atlantis club is. And and I'll be honest, like a bunch of different Atlantis clubs came up. It was like, all right, you have too much time on your hands. Okay. Maybe it's the club because it's so many rich people. Maybe it's the club where they all go to that resort Atlantis and what Bermuda or whatever the fuck it is. Maybe. I don't know. But um, she got rejected from that and was also denied a spot on the yearbook staff. So pretty soon, Prati's focus fully turned to Custis. Um, she seemed to symbolize everything Prati wasn't. She was rich. She was beautiful. She was talented, smart, popular. Like the list went on. Um, Costas, however, was completely unaware of Prati's obsession. Just you know how how they do how these how these girls do. They just float on. Um, so Prati later said, "Quote: She never liked me. The thing that got me mad was it hurt. I mean, she didn't really say you're ugly or something. She just said stuff that made me feel bad." End quote. Which, like, all right, this girl, this girl's gonna get mad. Mm-hmm. This girl's gonna get mad. When I had girls, literally, they put that kid Mike up to doing that. I know. I know. I need therapy. I know. I need to like let go something yeah, that happened like fucking umpteen years ago. Like, but examples. Your, your pain. Your pain doesn't equate to somebody else's pain. Everyone's got their own shit going on. I know, but I'm saying I'm like I, I'm I'm the parent that goes. I walk to school uphill both ways. You know, even yeah. though she is old enough to be my parent. Um. Or yeah, she is. Um. 
but so yeah so then once Prati said she was on a school ski trip with Custis and the ski trip was something that like everybody went to but Prati couldn't like it it wasn't something everybody went to it went on it because they could afford it but Prati's family was different like I said before yeah. they they worked hard for their money um they couldn't just spend it on whatever including school trips so Prati babysat 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 saved up her money all of her um like skiing equipment all of her like clothes and everything were secondhand or borrowed from people who they knew that went skiing um so she like she it wasn't just like oh have your parents sign you up for the trip and write the check like she worked for it Mm -hmm. and allegedly she was on this school ski trip and she said, quote, I mean, we don't have a lot of money and stuff, and I just had this really crummy pair of skis and some boots, but I was having fun anyway, and she made some comment about them. It just seemed like everybody else was thinking that, but she was the only one who would ever come out and say that, end mm-hmm. quote. Which sucks. I, I totally, I get it. It sucks. Um, so on June 21st, 1984, all those feelings of jealousy towards her classmate came to a head. And at 10 p.m., she called the Costas household while she knew that Kirsten was away at a cheerleading training camp. Mm-hmm. And when her mother, Berit, answered the phone, Prati did not give her name, didn't say who she was, just said that there was going to be a secret Bobolinks initiation dinner, like, Saturday night. Mm-hmm. She'd pick her up at 8.30, and that was that. So the mom was like, oh, okay. And, I mean, you know, like, you know how it is. like. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to keep so, the kids' schedule together. Exactly. And I mean, I give her credit that she remembered. Well, I, mean, I guess I give her credit that she remembered. I'm sure she wishes she forgot. But um, the next day, Kirsten returned home. Her mom was like, hey, guess what? You've got a thing tomorrow. And that Saturday night, the Costases, including their 12-year-old son, Peter, uh, Kirsten's brother, went to a potluck dinner for Peter's baseball team. And Barit called the house at about 8.20 p.m. to wish Kristen or Kirsten, see, there it is. I told you it was going to happen. Wish Kirsten a good time and reminding her to turn on the porch light. Mm -hmm. So she did. But that would be the last time that Barit would speak with her daughter. Mm. Yeah. So at 8.30 p.m., there was a honk from the driveway. And when Costas ran out to the car... She found that it was Prati who had come to pick her up, which um, was a bit odd because, like I said, they weren't close friends. So uh-huh. it was like, well, why wouldn't one of my friends in the Bobbies pick yeah. me up? Yeah. yeah, exactly. But she didn't, uh, despite this, like, so one of the articles that I got this information said she was probably very disappointed. I was like, you don't know what she's feeling. Teenagers have a lot of feelings, like... And based on other things that go down, I don't know that she was disappointed. I don't think she gave it a second thought. I think she was just like, okay, she's here. Uh, yeah, um, she's probably more confused than anything. Be like, oh, this is weird. Yeah, like, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, this is the just person go I would it. think of. Just rolling with it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and as further proof, despite this, she gets in the car anyway. And they head to what, again, Costas thought was a Bobby dinner, but it quickly became apparent that something wasn't right when she saw Prati was not dressed up for a dinner. Um, instead, she was wearing a track suit and a faded jacket. 
Okay. And so at this point, Costas confronted Prati, who admitted that she had lied about the dinner so that Costas would be allowed to go out with her and that they were going to a party. Um, so Costas was like, okay, I guess. Mm-hmm. And as they drove along, Costas also noticed that there was a knife in the car, which Prati said her sister kept in there to cut up fruits and vegetables. Weird. Yeah. You know, like you do when you're driving. Yeah. Uh, not great. Yeah, um, and Prati's 25-year-old sister, Gina, actually confirmed that this was the case during the trial. Um, she said that she often ate lunch in her car while working, but many people believed that she was lying to cover up her for her sister because who keeps... All right, who keeps a knife in a car? Fine, even if that is the case, even if that is the truth. Yeah. What do you use to chop up fruits and vegetables in your car when you're like holding clearly holding them in your hands unless she also had a cutting board in there but yeah and you would think like it's not always staying in the car even if you're you gotta clean you are yeah like it it migrates to different places yeah but also you don't chop up fruits and vegetables with an 18 inch butcher knife yeah that's a bit aggressive yeah i i mean granted again I'm not, I, I, you saw me earlier, I was munching on jelly beans, like my life depended on it, not two seconds before we started this podcast. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure with my limited knowledge of culinary skills and fruit and vegetables, you don't need an 18 inch butcher knife to get the job done. No. you can Maybe use, carving you can a pumpkin. A, like a smaller knife for that. Yeah, like a paring knife. Yeah. See, I know my shit. I watch Gordon Ramsay. Um. I watched it for research. I watched MasterChef for, re- for research. Sure you did. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah. So nevertheless, this explanation seemed to satisfy Costas enough that she didn't apparently ask about it again. Okay. Or, you know, duck and roll out of the fucking car. All right. So when they reached the town of Moraga, Prati alleged that Costas told her to pull it over into a church parking lot so that she could smoke some pot. And they sat there for 40 minutes. That's the place and to do allegedly, it. Right? Like, Church I mean, where, where else are you going to do it? In a park? Not like a dead end. Like, we always did it. But I don't know. I don't know. I was Church a parking lot. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they sat there for 40 minutes. And allegedly, like, when Costas offered Prati a hit, they began to, that started a fight. Um, okay. Because Prati declined. And right. she later said, quote, we just talked, you know, argued, not argued, really, but she didn't think it was any big deal. And I just didn't want to. And she made me feel dumb. She thought I was being weird, end quote. So, OK. All well and good. I get it. One time somebody offered me weed and I looked them in the eye and said, I'm trying to quit. So I understand where she's coming from. Yeah. Except. All of their classmates Costas's friends, Prati's friends, everybody basically knew one thing to be true, and that was that Prati was desperate to be accepted. Yeah. And they questioned the truth of this narrative upon hearing about it because she was so desperate to be popular and to be liked by the popular crowd that she would gladly participate in any activity that involved someone more popular than she was. And an example of this was that her, as her job in the student office, 
more popular girls and like for example like the seniors and shit like that Mm -hmm. would come in there and be like hey can you do me a favor like i don't know like fucking change my grade in biology or whatever it is that popular kids ask for kirsten always said no Uh uh-huh bernadette always was like absolutely what else can i do yeah 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 so you mean to tell me that now suddenly she's like oh no i don't touch pot yeah, she's like the perfect candidate for peer pressure, it sounds like. she. It, it, but that's exactly what it was. She really was. And it wasn't even pressure. They didn't even have to apply pressure. Like It was just a she suggestion. She would just do it. Yes, yeah. she would just do it because she so desperately wanted to climb that social ladder and yeah. would do whatever it took. Nevertheless, Costas then asked about the party, like, you know, like, who's it who's throwing the party like where is it like you know like the the typical general questions you want to (laughs) know the general questions that i assume that people who were invited to parties in high school get asked i'm done now i promise um (laughs) haley's just the look of disappointment um so she then learned that prati had actually not been invited to the party she wasn't cool enough and was pretty much using costas to gain entry yeah this sounds this already sounds like a teen movie. Yep. Yep. Um Costas then was like, oh fuck this shit, and she refused to go to the party and demanded that Prati take her home. So Prati then exploded into a rage and said that Costas was going to, quote, spoil everything, end quote. Mm. To which Costas allegedly responded that there wasn't ever anything to spoil. Oh. Oh, it gets better. Oh, I know. It gets better. Um, So then Prati, uh, like, allegedly began to sob and asked why Costas wouldn't be her friend, why she was so mean to her. And allegedly, this prompted Costas to roll her eyes in response. Oof. I know. She's taken her down. She's taken her down with just a look. Prati then begins to confess to Costas how much she idolized her and that she wanted to be her, to which Costas allegedly responded by calling Prati pathetic and then left the car. Ooh. Yeah. That's pretty rough. Yeah. So then in a panic that Costas would tell their classmates of this encounter and humiliate her, Prati began to follow Costas from a distance in her car. Creepy. It gets creepier because as she drove, her desperation and humiliation morphed into just blind fury at the realization that her chances of being part of the popular crowd had been potentially ruined because why wouldn't Costas tell everybody? Yeah, and exactly. That she would be a laughing stock. So Costas arrived at the home of a couple named Alex and Mary Jane Arnold who had just finished playing the card game Cribbage with their neighbors. Didn't know why that was always included everywhere, so I figured I should include it too. Um, I looked it up. It's a card game. Wholesome. It's a thing. Yeah, you know. Um, So she was upset, and she said that she had been with a friend at the church up the road, but that the friend had, quote, gone weird, end quote. Okay. Mary Jane noticed that as they invited Costas into their home, there was somebody behind her standing on the front path who Mary Jane later described as, quote, a gal about 15 with a roundish face and light brown hair, end quote. After that, um, Costas called her parents at the potluck, couldn't reach them, and Alex offered to drive her home 
to one of her neighbor's houses, which she accepted. Mm -hmm. And Mary Jane then noticed as they were leaving that there was a small mustard-colored Ford Pinto at the end of their driveway, which was the Prati family car. Uh Uh-huh. And that was all she could tell, though. She couldn't see who was inside. Yeah. So Alex soon noticed the car as well because it began to follow them as soon as they, like, left. And Bean is just wild in the back, and I'm loving it. He's playing it. with a quiet toy, so I'm fine with it. <laughs> he can play with whatever he wants. He is the sweetest prince. Um, so Alex gets nervous, and he asked Costas what was going on, which is understandable because also you're being followed. Like, how do you know this isn't a situation where, like, somebody claims, oh, I need help, and it's you're going to get robbed? Like, you don't know. Yeah, it's terrifying. I, don't, I never want to be followed. No. Um, so she said that, quote, it's okay. And then for the rest of the drive, Alex said Costas was calm, talkative, and really just spoke about school activities and her social life. And nothing appeared to be amiss. Mm -hmm. So when he pulled into the neighbor's driveway, Alex said that he would wait until Costas got inside. And as he watched her walk to their door, he saw a female figure jump out of the shadows Costas backed away and told the assailant to go away before the pair seemingly engaged in a fist fight. Ugh. And then the mystery attacker disappeared in the dark, got into their Ford Pinto, raced away, and Alex, not knowing that Costas had actually not been in a fist fight but had been fatally wounded, took off after the Pinto. Oh. Yes. Okay. So he didn't stay behind to help her. He didn't know she needed help. He was just like, I'm going to catch this person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, meanwhile, one of the Costas' neighbors, attorney Arthur Hillman, was standing at the, his kitchen sink when he heard a, quote, blood-curdling yell. Um, he then ran to his front door and saw Kirsten Costas staggering towards his house, saying, quote, help me, help me, I've been stabbed, end quote. <sighs> she collapsed into his arms, bleeding heavily. Um, she'd been stabbed five times in her upper body, twice in the stomach, once in the hand when Costas had raised it to defend herself, and then twice in the back after she had fallen, like, face forward on the ground. Yeah. And again, this is with an 18-inch butcher knife. This isn't some, like, oh, I'm going to chop some fruits and vegetables. Yeah, this isn't, like, a little switchblade or something. Exactly. Exactly. So he yelled for his son to call 911 and asked Costas who stabbed her, but reportedly the only thing she could get out was that she couldn't breathe. Ugh. Yeah. Hillman later testified, quote, she was in shock. I tried to hold her hand and pray a little on the side, end quote. Mm. At this point, Alex then returns to the scene. He had been unable to catch the Pinto. And he told the officers what he had seen, what Costas had said about her weird friend, described the car. Uh-huh. And he also described the attacker as being a chunky teenage girl with stringy blonde hair who was wearing track pants. So by the time the Costas family returned home at about 10 p.m., their usually quiet street was filled with police cars and fire trucks. And as they got out of the car, it was then that Arthur Costas saw his daughter lying in an ambulance. Oof. That's just like a horrifying thing for a parent. Awful. And at 11.02 p.m. on June 23rd, 1984, a month to the day before... Kirsten Costas's 16th birthday, Mm. she was pronounced dead. Mm. Among her injuries, one of the stab wounds had bisected a major artery to her heart, which caused her to bleed out. (sighs) Ah. 
Yeah. Meanwhile, Prati returned home. She got there at about 10 p.m. and waited around for the police to come arrest her, but it never happened. So she instead went on a late night walk with her mother, Elaine. Okay. Okay. Um, So if the police searched for Costas' killer, um, Costas was cremated and interred at Oakmont Memorial Park in Lafayette, California. Uh, The murder shook the community. Um, The community had been actually ranked as the second friendliest town in America by Forbes. It always happens like that. Like my town is is like one of the safest in uh, in the state, like in the county and everything. And there were two murders within three days of each other on either Mm -hmm. side of my (laughs) building. Yeah, I remember this. I didn't love it. Did not love hearing about that. Well, even Sandy Hook. Sandy Hook is like nobody even had heard of Sandy Hook before it happened. But it was a small, idyllic, like for those who have seen Gilmore Girls, like Stars Hollow-esque, yeah. like simple town and not anymore. Um, I shouldn't say that. It's still that way, but that's not what it's thought of as. But yeah, um, hundreds of mourners attended the funeral. Everybody was just so heartbroken over this tragedy. And Prati was among them, mm. crying right along with them. We hear that a lot, in, especially in cases where it's... Um like a teenager and they try to like pretend like oh i am so sad oh is yeah this how a normal person cries <laughs> oh yeah um she even said later on quote i was really good at blocking what had happened out of my mind and i still am that's why i can live through every day because it doesn't seem real end quote yeah nice great super so in super all super real for uh the costas family right yeah exactly um, so in all, the authorities spent nearly six months trying to find out who killed Costas. Meanwhile, school let out, Prati took confirmation classes and went swimming with friends. Um, yeah, she had a summer. Went back to school. Yeah, she had a summer, went back to school with all of her classmates, except for Costas. Mm-hmm. And everything seemed fine. She se- it seemed like she was going to get away with it. Um, the police interviewed students at the high school, including Prati, who was asked to take a lie detector test. She passed, but the police failed to verify her alibi that she had been babysitting the night of Costas's murder. Okay. They just took it down and went, okay. okay. So another student at the high school named Nancy Kane quickly became a prime suspect, especially among the students. Um, Kane had been part of Costas's group of friends and had been pretty popular, before she had a falling out with all of them. And Mm. at that point, she pretty much pulled a Janice Ian. She became goth. She continued to be at odds with the rest of the popular crowd, but especially Costas. Yeah. Um, Rumors quickly began to swirl, and Kane's mother ended up transferring her to another school and refusing to allow her daughter to take a lie detector test, which only furthered the suspicion among students and, of course, among the authorities that cost, that um, Kane was guilty. Yeah. However, residents of Orinda refused to believe that it could have been anyone of their own. Yeah. Um, well, you never want to think that. Yeah. They were all adamant that, like, we're a nice town, like, we're all, like, family, like, we're the second friendliest town in the United States. They, they just, they refused to believe it. Nothing and good comes adamant. of ignoring it. 
Exactly. And and furthermore, they were like, it must have been an outsider. Uh, yeah, but on what grounds? Like, just randomly? <laughs> like What ground? Like, randomly, but also, like, you can't have an outsider in your own community? Yeah. Like, yes, you can. This girl was one. Yeah, You're she was. You're an affluent community, and she came from a middle-class family and, like, had to work for her money had her family had to work for their money she was one of like a bajillion kids i'm I'm sure she, like half of her classmates couldn't identify her yeah like she yeah. was one of well, those it wasn't that she even, was an outsider in it, the yes community and no. yes and no like they could identify her they she she was not as well known as kirsten costas but also they were like oh she could never do something like that that girl no yeah um so, meanwhile, the Costas family became fed up with the lack of progress on their daughter's case. Again, it took six months for yeah. them to get anywhere. So, they hired a private detective. The detective reviewed the case files and realized that the authorities had never confirmed Prati's al- alibi. And after contacting the family that she said that she had babysat for that night, he learned that she had lied and immediately alerted the police and was like, yo, her alibi? Nada. Mm. Um, which amazing that this person can figure this out in like no time but the police they're taking six months yeah so then on december 9th 1984 detectives interviewed Prady for a second time and read her the profile that they received from the fbi um when asked who did i say that already that they that they went to the fbi i think i i think i deleted that from my notes by accident and i'm very sorry if i did i think i did they the police got so desperate that they actually had to go to the fbi and they were like we don't know who fucking did this can you please like help us and provide us with a profile especially because there's probably so much pressure from the community like a 15 year old girl was murdered and there were witnesses and they're still like six months later they still can't find who this person is like that's troublesome yeah yeah and um, and I did. I skipped over it in my notes. So basically, in October 1984, they they had asked for the profile. They receive it from the FBI in October 1984, and it matched her perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, Prati, that is. Um, it said that it would be a girl about Costas's age who Costas knew and like was more than just like in passing knew, like knew her well. Yeah, and who would not feel guilty or remorseful for their actions. Yeah. So they read her this profile and then they asked her who the person described sounded like and Prati replied, me. <laughs> and I'm like, girl, like you're not helping yourself. No. So then after an, a conversation with FBI agent Ronald Hilly, who informed her basically that her arrest was inevitable because like they knew she killed Costas. She yeah. fit the profile. She didn't have an alibi anymore. Um, she asked to go home and they let her go home sounds about white and so she went home um she wasn't able to like she tried to like sit down and talk to her mom about it and her mom was exhausted and then like slept through the night and like there was a whole thing and like she spent a couple days like stewing and she wrote a letter to her parents um in which she made a full confession and some excerpts that i will read you are the following quote dear mom and dad 
I have been trying to tell you this all day, but I love you so much, it's too hard, so I'm taking the easy way out. The FBI man thinks I did it, and he is right. I've been able to live with it for a while, but I can't ignore it. It's too much for me, and I can't be that deceiving. Please still love me. I can't live unless you love me. I've ruined my life and yours, and I don't know what to do, and I'm ashamed and scared. One, I have caused a lot of hurt and pain to a lot of people. Two, I don't want to hurt people anymore. Three, I want to go to heaven when I die. Four, I regret what I did. Five, I can't bring Kirsten back or change time. Six, if I kill myself, I will hurt people even more, my family. I think I could kill myself. I would go to hell if I killed myself. I would rather kill myself than go on living if people knew. Although it's incredible, my parents are saints who would forgive and love me. She also asked her parents, oh, end quote. She also asked her parents not to ask her why she had committed the crime because she claimed she didn't know. Okay. Um, and on December 11th, she gave her mother the letter before leaving for school and asked her to wait 30 minutes before reading it. So Elaine put on a fucking timer for 30 minutes, whipped out the Bible, had a mini Bible study, and then reads this earth-shattering letter that says, yeah. oh, by the way, mom, while you're busy studying fucking Leviticus, I killed a woman. Yeah. So... After reading the letter, Elaine called her husband Raymond, and the Pratties rushed to Miramonte High School and picked up their daughter, and then they drove her straight to the police station, where Bernadette Pratty surrendered herself to the authorities. Mm -hmm. um, Elaine later said, quote, I wanted a last chance with my daughter. I wanted not so much to talk to her, but to be with her. Yeah. Because she fucking knew. Like, this is this is the end. That yeah. is it. Um. So Bernadette... Prati told investigators that she had resented Costas and attacked her because, quote, I was afraid she was going to tell people I was weird, end quote. Mm. So in a taped confession, which was later played at her trial, Prati said, quote, I lost for cheerleader and I didn't get the club I wanted and I didn't get on the yearbook staff. The things that got me mad was it hurt and I couldn't change, like looks or money or popularity or things, end quote. Mm -hmm. And throughout the interview, it was clear that Prati was driven by her obsession with her reputation and with keeping up appearances. Um, after she had, like, kind of just vomited her confession out, one of the first questions she asked was, quote, do I have to go back to Miramonte? I can't live if it's known. I would rather die, end quote. Mm. So, understandably, the news came as a shock to the surrounding community. Um, especially to those who knew Prati as being just a nice, well-mannered, average teenager. Yeah. Um, upon hearing the news, Suzanne Barr, whose children Prati frequently babysat, no word on whether or not she was the alibi that did not exist. Um, she said, quote, there has to be a terrible mistake. I don't know who else I would trust my children to. She's full of grace, sympathy, and love, end quote. So after being tried as a juvenile during a three-day hearing, Prati was convicted of second-degree murder in March 1985. Um, her defense team actually was immediately like, oh, we will 100% plead second-degree now. Okay. And they were like, no, we want to take this to trial. Mm. Like, we want to, like, ream her out in front of everybody. Yeah, find out everything. Um, and, and the whole thing of that, too, like, the Costas family, understandably, like, could not stop shooting death glares at Prati. And 
like just fucking looked at her with just hate in their eyes. Yeah. While she is sitting there in her mommy's lap as her mommy strokes her hair and it'll all be okay, Bernadette. Everything is fine. Your well, big sister Gina is going to take responsibility for the knife. Well, I understand like both parents. Like mm-hmm. obviously the parents of uh Bernadette like you d- like you don't want to believe your child would do something like this. They admitted to it. Now you're like, okay, well, my entire world's going to be turned upside down. This is my child, no matter what they did. And then the Costas family is like, they see her being consoled and everything. And they're like, I can never do that to my child again. So Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and Barry even said, like, she dreamed about Kirsten so many of times. Course. And, like, apologized to her in her dreams, saying, like, I'm so sorry that, like, it took so long to find your killer. I'm so sorry that this happened. I'm so sorry that yeah. I didn't ask who was taking you to this, like, dinner and where. Like, she just, she, she, I, I mean, one of the things after she was, um, before she was sentenced, but after she was convicted in March 1985, Barit Costas told the judge, quote, my heart is empty. I ache. I'm half a person. She will probably be given freedom in a few years. I asked the people of California, is this justice? End quote. Yeah. Yeah. It's I a mean. great question. Um, <sighs> so on April 1st, wish I was kidding, Prati was given the maximum sentence for her crime, which was nine years in the California Youth Authority in Ventura, which is basically like juvie. Yeah. Um, and after the sentencing, Arthur Costas spoke to reporters saying, quote, my feeling is that the law has been served. We've lost our daughter. I don't believe the punishment will ever match the crime, end quote. Mm. So after the trial, the Costas family moved to Hawaii in 1986, just skipped town, couldn't deal with it. Don't yeah. blame them. Um, the Pratis also moved out of Contra Costa County. And on June 10th, 1992, at the age of 23, despite protests from the Costas family, Prati was released from prison, um, though she remained under the California Youth Authority's jurisdiction until she was 25 years old. Uh-huh. Um, so she's kind of like, kind of like she was on parole from what yeah. I could tell. Um, so Arthur Costas told the Associated Press, quote, it clearly shows us that Bernadette Prati got away with murder, end quote. And Barit added, quote, I'm devastated. Does anyone believe in punishment? Quest- uh, end quote. Um, yes, I did almost say question mark instead of end quote. Don't <laughs> at me. Um, it's been a long day. But um, while incarcerated, Prati had earned her high school diploma with a 4.0 GPA and earned an associate's degree in arts from a local community college. Following her release, she legally changed her name to Jeanette Butler and moved to Oklahoma, which the like state with Ca- which California allowed the parole board allowed because they were like, well, we don't know where her family is, but she is not allowed to move somewhere where her family does not reside. So presumably when they left Contra Costa County, they moved to Oklahoma. Okay. So she wasn't just being like released into Oklahoma is what I'm trying to say. Um, but while there, she began working as a nurse before getting married, at which point she changed her name to Jeanette Tamanka. And currently, she lives in Oregon with her family. Um, she's got, I think, two kids is what my research found. Uh-huh. Now, don't quote me on this. But I did look her up on Facebook. Okay. 
And there is a mommy blogger based in the Pacific Northwest that goes by the same name. Okay. And she's got two kids. Okay. And she's very religious. Quotes the Bible. Like. So it's potentially. Potentially her. Okay. Um, when I went through her page, she shares a lot of like DIY hacks and recipes from other pages. Like she doesn't okay. really have much of her own content. Um, she's got a website. There's not much on it. It was last updated in like June 2019. Um nowhere does she mention anything about her past other than oh i worked in marketing and i decided i wanted to work for me instead and i've got two children and i'm so lucky Mm -hmm. um but when i went through her facebook page there's usually like on all of her posts there's like some angry reacts or some laugh reacts okay and then there's like a bunch of likes not a bunch but like five to ten usually Uh uh-huh um to me, what's most damning at first glance is that it shows that there's a ton of comments. Like on one uh, on one post, I think it was like Thanksgiving or something, where she was like, I'm thankful for my family and shit like that. There were 44 comments. Like five of them, when I clicked on it, were visible. All the other ones had been either deleted or hidden by the, by the owner of the page. Interesting. Okay. Yes. Um, so either this is a case of mistaken identity and she's trying to do damage control or you know maybe so i don't know i'm could be could not be interesting i think if i were to ask she would just delete my (laughs) my things yeah i'm not gonna ask but um but yeah so that's the story of the kirsten costas murder um there's been a few works that have covered the case with um, probably the most notable in terms of documentaries being American filmmaker James Benning's 1987 film Landscape Suicide, which weirdly it focused on two cases. Okay. This one and Ed Gein. Um, okay. I don't know. I don't I, know I don't what a nipple it. belt has to do with like high school fighting an angst we've yeah now we've covered ed gein uh previously <laughs> and uh, they i don't see i don't see the crossover i don't either um okay. but the film has a 7.8 out of 10 on imdb no google score it's on rotten tomatoes but there is no critics consensus on right. score like anything um the Investigation Discovery Channel, the ID Channel series, um, Deadly Women, which you can watch for free on Pluto TV, covered the case on season four, episode 18 of the series, Deadly Delinquents. Um, like, that's the name of the episode, if you're yeah. looking. Um, and then another ID show called The 1980s, The Deadliest Decade, also covered the case on season one, episode three of the series, titled The Cheerleader Murder, which... Fun fact was narrated by Patrick Gallagher from Glee and Night at the Museum, which I definitely wasn't watching in a depressed fugue state the other night. Um, And it was also featured on season four, episode 12 of the docuseries Killer Kids, which you can watch on Tubi. Um, And that's called Rumors and the To-Do List for those looking for the episode name. Mm -hmm. But probably the most well-known work inspired by this is... In 1994, Lifetime aired one of its most famous TV movies, which was inspired by this event, and Mm. it's called Death of a Cheerleader. 
Um, originally, it was known as friend to die, a friend to die for. Okay. And uh, like from what I can gather, it was called a friend to die for in the U.S. and then death of a cheerleader everywhere else. And other than the first time it was aired, they called it a friend to die for. Now everywhere it's it's death to de- okay. death of a cheerleader, death of a cheerleader. Um, so in the movie, 90210 star Tori Spelling plays a rich, pretty high school cheerleader named Stacy Lockwood, who is modeled after Costas. And Angela Del Vecchio, who is played by ER star and the woman who played Roxanne in a goofy movie, okay. Kelly Martin. Yep. She's got the resume. Okay. All right. Um, yes, Tori Spelling is Aaron Spelling's daughter, but Kelly Martin was in a goofy movie. So let's just let's just, just get that right on there. a whole different level. Already, I'm hashtag Team Kelly. Um, But so she plays a transfer student from the wrong side of the tracks. And at first, she's optimistic about, like, moving up in the social ladder. After she meets Stacy, she thinks they could be friends. And then Stacy shuts down any chances of them being friends, which sends Angela into a jealousy-fueled rage. Sounds familiar? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, It also stars Marley Shelton, uh, James Avery, Uncle Phil from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Oh. Um, Terry O'Quinn from Lost, the Irish dude. Uh-huh. Um, that's that's his name in Lost. It's the Irish dude, is it not? Um, but so the movie has a 6.3 out of 10 on IMDb, an 87% Google score, and a 52% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, I will say it's not completely accurate. Um, for example, to this day, other than knowing that Costas came to symbolize all of Prati's failures, it's like it's alleged that costas was not always kind to her peers and this was alleged not just by Prati, who had more skin in the game to say that but kane said so as well um like kane has been on episode like episodes of some of the shows yeah. i mentioned and has said like she was not nice um it's high school no one's super nice yeah, no um but except for you because you're perfect oh yeah but sure. um nobody knows the root for as to why Prati killed Costas. Nobody knows what drove her to do it. Well, it sounds it? like she doesn't even know. Yeah. Well, I, even that, I don't know if she doesn't know or if she just doesn't want to say because, well, like, no motive, no crime. It I think just that's been, what a teenager thinks. It could have just been, like, a combination of a bunch of different things. She's afraid that she's never going to um, have an opportunity like this again to, like, maybe move up in the social ladder. Yeah. Um, She's embarrassed that this went wrong. Um, uh, just like she's jealous, obviously, mm-hmm. it sounds like. Mm-hmm. And like it's just a whole bunch of different emotions. And she is a child. A teenager. So she, yeah, yeah, she doesn't know how to work on these emotions internally. And this happened. Productively. Yeah. yeah. But nonetheless. This was the highest rated TV movie of 1994. Is it Which really? I know doesn't seem like a lot, but like, it was pretty, like, people people watched the shit out of it. And Tori Spelling earned $100,000 for just doing the role, which like, hang on, let's just find out. $100,000, I don't know math. And early to mid 90s is a golden age for TV movies. Golden age for TV movies, golden age for spelling. She, Like I said, she was starring on 90210 yeah. at that point. So, like, people were interested 
in what she like was doing. People were watching. Yeah, she made about a hundred seventy-five thousand six hundred dollars. Wow. Yeah. Um, which for I a TV movie to that for a TV movie, yeah. Um, but regardless, um, you can watch it on Amazon Prime. Uh, it was also remade again by Lifetime in 2009, but it was not nearly as well received as the original. Like, no, you know, you is. can't, you can't recreate perfection. Um, but it, 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 it's, it's okay. It's got Audrey Peoples from Gem and the Holograms as Bridget Moretti, who is the character inspired by Prati. Okay. And Sarah Dugdale as Kelly Locke. And really the only other, like, thing that i kind of knew her from not knew her from but like when i looked at her imdb page and i was like who this bitch be um she was in rl stein's um ah one of the rl stein series from like nickelodeon okay um but so she played kelly Locke, who's the character inspired by costas and other than the title and the plot line um there aren't any similarities to the original movie like all the names have been changed again um, it's kind of been modernized. Mm-hmm. However, Kelly Martin, who played the Prati character in the original 1994 film, does make a cameo appearance as the FBI agent, Agent Murray. All right, then. Uh-huh. Um, so, like I said, this one wasn't as well received. It has a 5.1 out of 10 on IMDb, a 90% Google score, but we all know how accurate that can be. And, yeah, that is the tale of... Kirsten Costas and her murder. Before you finish the story, I was uh, going to ask if uh, this was basis for like single white female because it sounds oh. very similar. But the, there were so many that sounded similar. Yeah, like even even Heather's. Yeah, yeah, something like yeah. that. Yeah, and like I mean, there there were so many, and even like not not to like again, we don't think this was based on Heather's or Heather's was based on this. However. Like, the trendy, like, short brown hairstyle at the time that Costas had, the same as Winona Ryder's in Heather's. Like, there were a bunch. Like, Single White Female was another one that made me think. Yeah. Um, it just like, seems- Mean Girls made me think of it a little bit. It seems like it's the quintessential tragic teen girl fight story. Yeah, definitely not the only one, because, like, there's the Skylar Niece story, and, like, mm-hmm. there's all these other ones, but it just seemed like... She wanted so much to, like, she had this girl on a pedestal and she, like, so much wanted to be her. So, yeah. yeah. Jawbreaker, too. It's a little bit like Jawbreaker. Yeah. Um, Like, and I think that's more what I meant by, not that there aren't other tragic teen, teenage girl, like, stories like this, but this one, it just seems to be... It kind of checks all of those boxes. it, It checks all the boxes and it seems to be the one that's, like, most similar to all of those like movies and narratives like yeah. that like scream is another one that i thought was like well wait a minute this sounds like it too yeah i mean and you know In how the media can it, influence yeah and yeah. you know how the media can influence these types of things so these types of movies and shows so i mean who's even to say that even if it wasn't intentional it might have been in the back of their mind maybe it sparked maybe. some inspiration somewhere yeah no idea nobody has laid claim to it but yeah, I think it's all possible. I, I, there's, there's a lot of, like, especially movies out there that have elements that are very similar. Yeah, 
And it's one of those that like I'm so torn with like the yep. kid on kid or like the young young person on young person crimes. It's like there's like there's no winning here. It's like no. yeah, you want you want justice for your child that you will never see again, but mm-hmm. is justice taking away a this child from their family forever? Yeah. Like being put to death or in jail for life isn't jail meant for rehabilitation that one day mm-hmm. you will be able to rejoin society especially at 15 years old like i don't know it's just there's so there's such an argument there of like yep. what is real justice for this crime uh, it's it's so rough it's terrible i'm with you dude i know it's I mean, I mean, I feel like it's just lose lose for everybody. But yeah, exactly. I was about to say there are no winners. Like, yeah, it's just because even if the really family gets justice, like that's not bringing your child back. Like, no, is it really going to make you feel better? But at the same time, like, I I feel for and not just from like an oh I was not popular in high school like type of thing. I feel for Prati for Bernadette Prati as well in the sense Up that to a like. Point. No, 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 but yes, but in the sense, not that I feel for her specifically, but that like, she's one of six kids, clearly things slipped through the cracks. Oh, yeah. Because your parents have to know, like, I remember my father once sitting me down in college being like, because I I probably had a breakdown over a test, who knows? Um, I had a lot of breakdowns over tests. Um, But he was like, you know, you don't need to get like, an A, right? Like, you know that if you just do your best, that's enough. Yeah. And I was like, yes, but no. I mean, nah. I, I can I can feel for her on the, the grounds of, like, it sounds like she just wanted friends. Yeah, she just, but again, remember, I said at the beginning, she had friends. Yeah. She wanted, she wanted, she wanted to. wanted high level friends. I don't think it was even that. I think she wanted to live how the other half lived. Like, she was so different from everybody else. Yeah. And it was something that she saw as, like, it wasn't, it wasn't something about her that could not inherently be changed. She can cut her hair. She can change her clothes. She can change her mind. That's the way it goes, Hannah Montana. And she just, she saw this social ladder as another way to change her future as another way to change her present like she didn't feel like being different was okay no no and she did everything she could to assimilate and it just didn't work the way she imagined it to which if you're a teenager listening it rarely does yeah it rarely goes the way you imagine it's gonna go if you're a teenager listening don't kill your peers don't kill your peers (laughs) high school is not the be-all end-all you're going to find not. yourself later on. If you go to college, if you don't, it, whatever you choose to do, there's so much more to life than high school. Yes. <gasps> high school's not great. Like, it's you can not. have, like, I have, like, five people that I still talk to from high school. And I'm actively avoiding my 10-year reunion next year. Oh, I'm, f- oh, fuck no. I'm not going to that. My friends asked me if I wanted to go to the fifth-year reunion. I was like, I will see you There at is home. no <laughs> such thing as a five-year reunion. That's Oh, uh, go to a Catholic shit. school. There's a yearly reunion. There's a fucking yearly reunion because it's all clicky. But, yeah, I know. I mean, and but that's the type of thing. The fact that, if, if, if uh, the way I see it, if you care that much about those reunions, then you didn't have the proper experience in the sense that, like, you shouldn't 
the end all be all shouldn't be high school. It's not. It shouldn't be. Yeah. You've it's it's four years of your life when what's our average lifespan now? Fucking 200. It feels like, so much longer, though, because all you've ever known yeah. is being in school. And all you've ever known are those kids very yeah, often. Exactly. Like you grew up together. Yes. Like you yes. saw half these kids it's, pee their pants. Like Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's or they wild. saw you pee your pants. But <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> I mean, let's be real. Um, but we've all seen Happy Gilmore um, or Billy Madison. Oh, shit. Which one Happy is Gilmore's I think it's Billy Madison. Company, so. No, Happy Gilmore is also a movie. It's, I know. That's but it, it's, isn't it the production company, too? I don't think so. No, it's it's Happy Madison. Happy Madison. That's what it Happy is. Happy Madison. We got there. We got there. It's eventually. the two. Everybody. Everybody's <sighs> tuned yeah. out at this point. I don't know. They're like, I, I mean, can see why you were bullied. Um, don't don't kill your classmates. High school isn't everything. Don't um, kill yourselves. Don't kill yourselves. Don't don't do drugs without like a sober only buddy. Only take half. Present. Only take half. Don't only take, take any wooden half. nickels. Um, wooden nickels. I don't know. See, I was not dad. cool in high school. If Lex is listening, <laughs> hey Lex, that's uh, hey, Lex. Papa Papa Feel Noel better. would say that. Um, what else? What else? What else? What else? What else? Sleep. Go to sleep. Yeah. Go to bed. Sleep's good. Drink more water. Sleep is great. Drink more. Always drink more water. Also, I mean, eat the junk food while you can. I'm say it like I know Michelle Obama says eat an apple once in a while, but like I wish I could still eat as many cookies as I did then. And any guys listening? Any boys listening? Moisturize oh, your you. face. Yeah. Yes. Moisturize your face. I thought you, I thought you were talking about their the, metabolism. It's the least you can do. And you know what? It's going to put you in a different level. It's going to put you into the stratosphere of people to be with. It's true. Also, face. also fun fact for moisturizing, it helps with acne. Look at that. Uh-huh. It seems counterintuitive. Honey, I promise you it works. Comes to us for all of your skincare needs. Okay, we're a true crime podcast. So. I mean... And having shitty skin is because you crime. don't take care of it is a true crime true. and that is what i've said as someone who's had a dermatologist since like the age of eight because i'm allergic to everything yeah it's a true anyway, crime well this went off on quite a tangent yeah i was gonna say i'm not allergic to tangents that's become clear yeah i, I think mean, we should see ourselves out <laughs> I would say for the people that have a problem with us uh, talking about personal stuff on the podcast, this is literally the most we talk to each other in a given week. So we're getting all of our, our chatting out. out. And honestly, <laughs> talking to you is one of like... We're all friends here. I'm going to say one of like six people I talk to in a week. That yeah. isn't like a person that I am required to talk to for my job. Exactly. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I'm unemployed, so it's even less, but... <laughs> yeah, it's a rough time. It's all it's, right, it's, 2021. It's a rough time, and that's the other thing, like, talk to people. Like, even if it's one person, even if it's your mom, even if it's not your mom, maybe you hate your mom, talk to somebody. Maybe you don't have a mom. Maybe, maybe you, you don't have a mom. To talk to somebody. Talk to yeah. us. We're here. Talk to... Yeah, fuck it. Talk to us. Um, Just... Now more than ever is a great time to communicate. Maybe speaking not on parlor, but before before we go, speaking of people that talk to us, um, we've been getting some great messages on Facebook. Yes. Uh, yes. If you message me on Tumblr, I'm sorry I don't check it too often, but I'm trying to get back to people. Shameful. Um, but we have some fantastic uh, people following us on Twitter that talk to us, mm -hmm. and uh, we have people that support us on Patreon. Yes, and, um, and and not even that. Like we've got, like we've got, we've just got awesome people, and we do genuinely care. Like I mean, Autumn is 
fighting through COVID right now, like with fucking machetes in each hand. And she's like, I just I just caught up after a road trip. And I'm like, take your fucking time. Like, I mean, we're here. It doesn't well, matter. Luis is a, a frontline worker, right? Luis is a frontline worker. Yes. And we are always thankful and always happy. Um, just just heard from um, from. Um, Oh, goodness gracious. See, you now you all, it's like having children. You Sin all run followed, together in my head. Sin followed in, in my head, uh, Bean on Instagram. Too. Love it. Oh, Sin. You're so sweet. But I mean, and then Josh. Josh, Josh is doing great. And he's Josh making funnies back. left and right. Making a I comeback. I know, Josh, we were a little worried for a minute. We hadn't seen you in a bit. Um, there's, there's Lucian. Um, we're shouting out which, all the friends. Yes. We're, let's just shout out everybody. Fuck it. Like, hi. Hi, Brooke. Um, I'm going through our like notifications right now. Hi, Chloe. Everybody. Um, yeah, everybody. Um, Emma. Everyone is always like amazed. Like if it's your first time messaging us, amazed that we uh, reply to people. We do. It might take a minute, but we are on two different uh, time zones. But we'll True. we'll get to people. We do. And that's that. I'm Maz, Rochelle. And if you want to get in contact with us, our website is crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com. On there, you can find all of the links to our social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, all those, uh, the link to Patreon if you want to support the Patreon. And Tris, Sakana, Sophie, Kim, we're forgetting so many people. I'm getting mad at myself. Well, there's so many that it, I, I can't even keep everyone straight in my head. I mean, there's so many. MJ... I mean, I'm I'm missing people. Please don't feel bad. Message us personally and be like, "Fuck you." It's okay. I mean, I'd be the same. I would. Uh, Abby, there's so many. There's so many. We we appreciate you yes. and don't feel so alone. Like I know it's an isolating time. Yeah, it don't sucks. feel so alone. Michael, I guess. Um, Brian. Um, Everybody. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're always we're always here to listen. We're always here to chat. But and I keep seeing Elliot look over his shoulder at me to make sure we're done recording the podcast. So I yeah, think I got a Twitch notification. Where, this is that where we're Elliot's gonna, streaming. <laughs> this is Silent where stream we're for now. Wife is blank. That's all I can see. I'm like, wife is podcasting. That's what she's doing. Yes, wife is recording yep. podcasts. Yeah, he he gave me a thumbs up. So should be fully back by nine thirty. He says. So we've got half an hour, right? What time is it? <laughs> what time we're gonna, is it we're gonna yeah. go. Um, so next week is going to be, it's going to be a surprise to all of us. Cause I don't even know if I have, uh, an episode ready. So, I mean, that's it's, okay. It's going to be game time decision for everybody. Um, yeah, go to the website, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Patreon, email, Gmail, crime culture, pod, crime culture pod at gmail.com. That's what it is. Gmail. Yep. Send us an email. Uh, yeah. link. Take your meds, drink water. Yeah link uh pictures to your pets if you want a uh, personal pet stream follow cat named underscore bean on instagram and that is bean and yep. uh there's some great great stuff on there there's just some there's some great bean content love that beautiful bean footage yep i just oh he is all right we're talking oh, I too could much eat him all right yeah, always. Never we'll not. We'll see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye.